0: Today is going to be, um, it's going to be a little bit interesting. I'm glad, I've, first time I've gotten started this early in a long time. Granted, it's still technically late for what I'm trying to do. Back when I uh, wasn't, I, I, just, I don't know, man. I don't know if it was when it started getting late in the season or maybe when the baby was born. I don't remember when it happened, but used, it used to be, I got up at 3, I was down here by 3.15, 3.30. The standard these days is 4 o'clock, and I'm serious, my alarm still goes off at 3 every day. It's 3.42, so that's a win for me these days. And I'm glad we got a little bit of time, because, 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 because... Try not to say the wonderful things he does. <sighs> I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, I should be medicated. There is just no excuse for me not having medication. I do, however, have an excuse for why I did so poorly in school. Never once was medicated. Anyways, because of the schedule, any time, it's, it's like word of the day. Remember that from uh, Pee Wee Herman? Somebody says that word and everything freaks out. As soon as I say the word because, all stuff, all kinds of stuff is firing in my brain. Because tomorrow <laughs> is the game, we have to talk more about the Panthers. However, there's a lot of stuff going on in my brain right now, and not just the because fireworks. A um, whole lot of, sort of discussion topics that i'd like to touch on just because they're there and because you know what i don't have to stick to a stupid schedule if there's something i want to talk about i just so happen to have a platform to talk about it yes it's football related don't run away but that's what we're going to do today there's one thing i wanted to ask you about first though because i'm i'm kind of torn on a thing and i guess i don't really see a reason not to but i'm just i'm just looking for a little feedback because i'm not really sure what to do there is an app that i'm considering using as another platform for another thing that I can do. Now, I already know you guys are tired of getting pulled in a million different directions, me saying, hey, go here, go there, go here, right? Flick chat, Twitter, two different Facebook groups, or Facebook pages, a Facebook group, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to this, subscribe to that, buy this, do this contest. I get it, right? I'm tired of saying all of it. But I just want to throw it out there, and if it sounds kind of cool, because I think it does... Tell me it sounds cool. There is an app. It's called Station Head. Essentially what Station Head does is it lo- allows you to host a radio show, which is like a podcast, but it's live. Now, I don't really have time to do like a live show, and I'm not talking about giving up the podcast for that because I don't think anybody's up at 346 to listen to it. And the biggest negative is that people would have to actually download the app. This doesn't stream to anywhere. You can't get it on, on um... at least I don't think you can. That That would be a game changer, but I don't think you can. So people would have to download the Station Head app to listen. That's the biggest negative, and if nobody's going to do it, then I'm not interested. However, some cool features on this, and, and what I would think that I would want to do is like a halftime show, at least to start, just to try it out. Not that many games left. I would only have to do it once a week, but I don't really have time to come down here. I mean, if, if I were to record a podcast, by the time I get downstairs, record it, send it out, I mean, you're not even, even going to see a notification until the second half starts same with like Facebook. I know some people do like live streams or whatever. I'm not going to do in game because my kids watching. And, and again, setting everything up, it's you know, it's just it doesn't make sense. But some of the cool features um, not only can you listen on the app, but you can interact by commenting, but also by calling in. You can actually call in to the radio show. And I think that's really cool and I've been wanting to do stuff like that for a while, especially with call-ins. I've been trying to do that with the podcast forever, but again, I do this at 3:48 in the morning. So I I just thought it would be kind of cool to have the uh, Packernet halftime radio show where, you know, I would broadcast during halftime. You could comment, you could call into the show, give your thoughts and opinions and everything else, and that would be it. And then the game would start, and we'd cut it off. I don't know. Let me know. I guess there's no reason not to. But I just, I figure four people are going to actually go over there, and I'm going to be talking to myself, and that's going to sound stupid. Anyways, moving on. I want to get the random stuff out of the way first, Um, not Panthers-related necessarily. I say necessarily because I don't exactly remember what the things were. i got to look them up, but (laughs) they're super important to me to talk about, apparently. The first one is, again, super random, and I have said this before, but it was a long time ago, but I want to bring it up again because not everybody listening heard it and some new listeners, whatever, and it goes back to the Jordan Love pick. There's just one train of thought that baffles me. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. And I was going to comment when I saw it on Twitter, and I decided, you know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. Because I don't want I don't want to like pick this. This guy's going to assume I'm picking a fight with him. I'm not trying to fight. It's just it's just an interesting thing, the way people's brains work. And I want to point this out. This person, who shall rename name unnamed something whatever however that goes, said that. Oh, it was it was when I made a comment on Twitter about. How people hate on Brian Gutekunst because of the moves he made. And I've talked about this before, too. We always forget about these free agents. We talk a big game about, you're an idiot because you didn't go out and do this and do that. What? Why don't we talk about those guys anymore? Because at this stage in the game, nobody cares about them anymore. Nobody's winning or losing the Super Bowl because of what they did in free agency. Who do, who's the Chiefs' big free agent move, right? I talked about that already. But why don't we go look those guys up? I was doing my mock draft, which is... Uh, my fourth full-time job now and i one of the things i like to do to refine my mock drafts is go back and look at comments and a lot of raiders fans said i want a linebacker and i thought what are you guys talking about you literally went out in free agency and got the top two linebackers in free the top two not the top one the top two linebackers on the market Quitkowski and Corey littleton were the two top rated highest best linebackers available in free agency they got both And so I didn't take a linebacker, despite the fact that they're banging the table, because that, in my opinion, is a GM that's begging to get fired. If you go out in free agency and get the two best linebackers available and then draft one in the first round, you're an idiot. You're begging to get fired. At least play it off like they don't suck. But that's the point. We wanted those guys, especially Corey Littleton. There were people freaking out about that. And you see people talking about, well... This is why he's not a good GM. He needs to be doing this, that, or the other thing, and, and we would just he would it would transform this defense. It would be the best defense in football. Corey Littleton is one of the worst linebackers in football right now. Now that's not my ultimate point, but it's worth noting. By itself, worth noting. But somebody else made a similar comment after that. And one of the comments to that comment was, I get that, but the first round pick still sucked. Which of course we don't actually know that. But his he laid out his reasoning. He said nobody had him as a first-round prospect. That comment baffles me. And if you think that comment makes sense, please hold tight. Hang in there. Because i, I got to talk to you for a second. got to talk through this for just a minute. The comment you're making to me is that nobody had him as a first-round prospect. Guess who had him as a first round pro- and he went on to say not only was he not a first round prospect but we traded up for him. You know who did think he was a first round prospect and apparently a relatively early first round prospect? Brian Gudekunst. What baffles me about this is and again, this is the comment I've made before but I'm going to make it again. If Brian Gudekunst quit his job as the Packers GM and started a website in which he made rankings for all the different players and everything else, and he had put Jordan Love as the 15th best prospect in the in in all of college football. You know what would have happened? Everybody would have been saying that he's the 15th best prospect in all of football because he knows more than all the other media idiots out there, myself included. Because he's a former GM of the Green Bay Packers. Do you know what these other guys have done? Not that. The only other guy that had any real clout whatsoever was Mike Mayock, and he got hired as the GM of the Raiders. And again, I've said this before, rumor is he's not that good. Right? It, It... this is, this is what I've heard from quote-unquote insiders that have podcasts and stuff. I don't have connections, but I listen to podcasts of people who are plugged in, former executives, etc. Apparently, he had scouts walking in, talking about stuff, and, and Mayock would say things, and they're like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Scouts. So in other words, you have GMs, then below them you have scouts, then you've got Way down below that, media members who, you know, quote-unquote, grind the tape. We listen to these, quote-unquote, grind, and the other hilarious thing, you know where these guys get a lot of their information from? You want to know why these big boards are about to change drastically once the playoffs kick off? Because teams are going to start kicking into finding college prospects mode, and information is going to start leaking about what teams believe. And then all these geniuses who have put in all this work are suddenly going to start changing their mind drastically. You know why? Because it's all groupthink. They they just want to be right. And so they want to believe whatever the teams believe. So when they find out something leaks, then everyone, oh yeah, I always knew that. In other words, the source of genuine knowledge comes from teams and GMs. And we're saying Brian Gutekunst is an idiot because Daniel Jeremiah didn't think that he was... Since when did Daniel Jeremiah become the ultimate authority over Brian Gutekunst? Since when does Matt Miller of Bleacher Report dictate what we think about Brian Gutekunst's pick? Or Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network? I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be offensive to these guys, but come on. In a million years, they couldn't sniff his socks. Don't know why they would want to, but if they wanted to, he would say no because they're not worthy of that. That whole thing is super creepy, and I'm sorry that was my analogy, but you, you get what I'm trying to say, Right. I mean, he's got a desk job, so they probably don't smell that bad, assuming he changes them regularly. I'm just saying, it's such a backwards way of thinking. Nobody had him as a first-round pick. Yes, an NFL GM with an army of of staff that actually meet face-to-face with these guys, watch them, not just on tape, but in person, and have decades of experience playing football, evaluating talent. The guy who learned from Ted Thompson and Ron Wolfe says he was a good pick to trade up for. The, you know, the guy who was there when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. The guy who traded for Brett Favre. You know, that level of talent. It's just such a, like, it just, it hurts my brain. That doesn't mean he's going to be good. It just means that your thought process as to why he's going to be bad is so stupid. It's on another planet stupid. Please stop thinking that. If you want to come up with something, come up with something. But that's a terrible, terrible, terrible thought. Because Matt Miller doesn't like it. Okay. Anyone want to take a wild guess as to why Mark Murphy didn't hire Matt Miller and instead hired Brian Gutekunst? Ponder that for a moment. There's nothing wrong with having opinions on prospects. I'm not saying that. But uh, you have to submit yourself to the reality that you are not Brian Gutekunst and all these media guys are not Brian Gutekunst. On some level, that reality has to sink in. We're playing GM out here. We're just having fun. The game gets a little bit too real for some of you guys. Anyways, moving on. Um, some other things that I was looking at. I've, I've done a good amount of work looking at pressure percentages for edge rushers. One of the things I have not done a lot of work in is looking at pressure percentages for offensive linemen. Four o'clock. See that? 12 minutes and 20 seconds in, and it's four o'clock. Son. But I wanted to try it out. Uh, because I was looking at pressures for the offensive linemen and um, I don't even remember exactly why but then I realized that they all obviously didn't have the same amount of snaps so I wanted to look at that and I thought the results were actually somewhat interesting and it maybe goes to and I'm not trying to restoke the flames of, of battle here but you know how I get when I get dug in on stuff you all wanted to keep pushing back on Kevin King I just I couldn't help it we keep hearing about um Bakhtiari and Billy Turner are the best two tackles in football uh, as far as win rate and all that stuff. I found this interesting. Now, winning and pressures are a different thing. I don't know how you can win so much and give up so many pressures, but, you know, still find it interesting. Here are the pressure rates for the offensive linemen, i.e. what percentage of, of snaps are you giving up pressures? Corey Lindsley is giving up pressure 0.53% of the time. Roughly once every two 100 snaps he's giving up a pressure that's ridiculous david bakhtiari 1.85 percent elton jenkins 2.34 percent lucas patrick 2.69 percent billy turner 4.91 percent john runyon 5 percent rick wagner 5.73 percent now to put this into context i wanted to to look at all offensive linemen in the nfl with at least 100 snaps that's going to drop runyon out of this contest because he hasn't played enough. Maybe it wasn't 100 snaps. I don't don't exactly remember. But whatever, there was a qualifying number of snaps. Just to give some context, because those are just numbers, Corey Lindsley is number one in the entire NFL in terms of giving up the least amount of snaps, uh, pressures per snap. David Bakhtiari is ranked 14th. Elton Jenkins is ranked 26th. Lucas Patrick is ranked 37th. Billy Turner is ranked 142nd. And Rick Wagner is 170th. So in terms of, gee, I wonder why PFF doesn't like Billy Turner. That seems crazy. ESPN says he's elite. This might have something to do with it. Right now, if we look at raw numbers in terms of pressures, again, it varies. But um, the second highest amount of pressures given up by an offensive lineman is Rick Wagner with 15. Billy Turner has given up 21 pressures. Aaron Rodgers is technically second, being credited with 18 of his own pressures. But that's a massive difference. The difference between, for example, David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, which, let's be completely honest, are we honestly going to say that we believe ESPN is correct and that the top two offensive linemen in the NFL, top two tackles, are Billy Turner and David Bakhtiari? Wasn't it just last year that Billy Turner was the laughingstock of the the NFL and, and a complete embarrassment on our offensive line? I mean, that's a heck of a leap. To go from Broncos and Dolphins fans laughing at us for paying Billy Turner because they hated that guy so much because he's so terrible. He comes over here. He's the worst offensive lineman on, on our team. We can't stand him. Then he goes to right tackle, which he's played several times before. It's not like this is a new position that we discover. And he's the best in the NFL. I mean, the, the job's getting done for Aaron Rodgers, getting the ball out of his hand quickly enough and not getting a ton of pressure. But I'm just saying, if I had to choose between ESPN saying he's you know one of the best Maybe second best or number one in the NFL or PFF giving him an average grade of 65.9. I'm probably going to lean PFF's direction a little bit on this one. Again, I'm content. Rodgers has been clean for the most part, but I just, I'm just really not buying it. And the biggest complication for me is what do we do going forward? Do we look at offensive tackle or do we say, look, what does it matter? Aaron Rodgers is on his feet more than anybody else. How could you prioritize tackle? And We're not even paying him that much. We don't need it. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, even though it's 21 pressures, it's only two sacks. It's still more than anybody else, but two sacks is nothing, which is also a completely crazy statistic. That The fact that Billy Turner's given up two sacks, and that's more than any other offensive lineman. Rick Wagner's given up one. Lucas Patrick gave up one. Elton Jenkins gave up one. Um, Jamal Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley, that's it. Bakhtiari's given up zero. John Runyon, technically zero. Again, we're kind of counting them out because hasn't really done this very much. And, and I did do this for the uh, tight ends, uh, running backs, and, and whatnot as well. But the numbers are so much higher because it's just a different metric. And technically, the exterior and the interior are different as well. I think the you're going to see generally different numbers. So as I get more familiar with what a good number and a bad number is, I'm going to probably have to do it by position, at least interior and exterior guards and centers compared to tackles, but I I haven't really fleshed it out like I have with pass rushers in 10%. And technically, I should probably have a different metric for, you know, defensive tackles as I do for for edge guys, but it kind of holds up. In fact, some of the best pass rushers in football are defensive tackles, so I'll probably just keep it at 10%. But anyways, I found that little tidbit to be interesting, and I've never, I don't think I've ever done that before, so it's good to kind of keep an eye on that. It's also worth noting that he had his worst game Um, one of his only games with more than two pressures was against Tampa. And that's sort of part of the problem. And it's not that it couldn't happen to anybody. I know Bakhtiari struggled against, you know, against like the Bosa's and stuff, and that completely wrecked everything. But, you know, one of the things that collapses this team the quickest is when the offense kind of gets into a rut. And the offense gets into a rut with Aaron Rodgers not playing on his best, and he starts hearing footstep. He was getting kind of rocked in that game against Tampa. And to see Billy Turner was somewhat of a sieve in that game, One sack, one hit, and four hurries. That's not great. You don't want to be the reason that a team is losing football games, even when you're barely losing. All right, I think that's a good amount of randomness for now. I want to make sure we got enough time to talk about the Carolina Panthers. So why don't we take a break right here? We'll come back and launch into that a little bit. Sound good? All right, be right back. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's do a quick team overview kind of deal. I mentioned a little bit about the Panthers 4 and 9 that they're on a massive losing streak right now only beating the detroit Lions. um 19th in points and yards on offense 20th and 21st in points and yards on defense so pretty consistently subpar in every single category 12th in net yards per attempt offense is about as good as it gets for them 21st net yards per attempt passing defense 19th on defense rushing 14th on offense rushing if we look at um what does it take for the team to win and lose kind of thing. Uh, There isn't a huge correlation in terms of their scoring on offense. However, there is a massive correlation to how well their defense does and whether or not they win. And unfortunately for the defense, it's a pretty unreasonable bar. It's 21 points. If they can keep the Green Bay Packers, the number one offense in football, this the 20th ranked defense, if the 20th ranked defense, 21st ranked passing defense, 19th ranked rushing defense. If they can keep the number one offense to 21 points or less, they can win. They are currently 4 and 0 when a the defense keeps a team to 21 points or less. Um, Arizona Cardinals they won 31-21, Falcons 21-16, Chargers 21-16, Detroit Lions 20-0. With that being said, they are 0 and 7 anytime a team reaches anything over 21 points, which is most of the time. In fact, on average, teams are scoring 30 points against the Carolina Panthers. So you want to know why the team is 4-7? and seven? Because the defense is being told that in order to win, you have to keep teams to 21 points, which is unreasonable. And instead, they're giving up on average 30 points, which is pretty bad. Again, offensively, it really just doesn't matter um, because the defense generally is just giving up a ton of points. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen such a lack of a correlation. They're actually won more often when they score less points. When they scored 23 points, well, let's say 20, eh, 23 points or higher, they are 2-6. When they score less than 23 points, they're 2-3. Because it just, it's, you know, they, they scored 24, they gave up 27. They scored 27, gave up 28 and 32. They scored 30, the Raiders scored 34. They scored 31, and well, they won that one. But they scored 31 against the Chiefs, they gave up 33. Because in, in reality, they're actually scoring uh, about 28 points a game now that's not really holding true recently as they've been on their losing streak they've only even reached 28 points once and that was against the Chiefs however they did get back-to-back weeks of 27 points so that would be the one slight area of concern is that the offense does have some ability to score points um, and so it would really just mean that you know and this is true of, of most times when the Packers are going up against teams that are not on their level it really just comes down to if the Packers fall apart they're in trouble if they don't they're going to win and again I would remind you the defense is actually doing a very good job of keeping teams to a pretty low point total now that doesn't mean they're not going to allow the Panthers to to, on the first drive go down and score a touchdown and then I get 17 different messages from people saying this is a loss this team is a joke they're never going to win a Super Bowl I'm sure that's going to happen but at the end of the game it'll probably be a pretty low score for the Panthers under 28 points and the Packers end up scoring 30 or more at least if, if history holds true. Um, not a ton of other correlations here. One slight correlation would be passing yards defensively. Um, another not great sign for the Carolina Panthers, considering what a good job the Packers do throwing the football. But if they keep a team under 210 passing yards, as they did with the Falcons, Bears, Lions, and Cardinals, they are 3-1. Anything over 210 yards, which is almost everybody, they are 1-8. and eight. That's about it and I mean one of the strongest correlations generally is turnovers offensively and defensively there's still nothing. I mean they they technically did win when they got four turnovers so kudos to them for that, but they had three turnovers against the Vikings. They won the turnover ratio 3 to 1 and they still lost to the Vikings 28-27. So even with a bunch of turnovers they can't do anything. And by the way, they've had turnovers in every game except one. They still can't win. When they've had games with with I mean I mean one turnover is basically all of them, but more than one turnover they're one and two games where they don't turn over the ball at all they're 2 and 4 so it's just I, I don't know there's just there's nothing here it really is just the defense needs to keep other teams from scoring any points if they can keep the team from throwing the ball well and keep them from scoring any points they have a chance which is true for literally every team but that's really the only thing i can find here looking at the team as as kind of an overview i mean it's just it's just kind of bad um again it's they do have enough components here to excite some people. I think some of it is overinflated. The, the only thing, if, if we wanted to say how did the, the Carolina Panthers win, first of all, it starts with the fact that the offense isn't the worst. Teddy Bridgewater, I mentioned, Carolina Panthers fans are completely over it. Um, he's not having a very good season at all, but he's not completely inept. I mean, his grade is a 69-4. It's still basically a 70, although he's ranked 26th overall, but he's also got a good offensive line right uh, Matt Paradis in the middle is a good center Taylor Moten is a good right tackle Russell O'Kong on the left side is a good tackle guards aren't great but whatever uh, Mike Davis is having a good year at running back in the absence of Christian McCaffrey and then they have they really do have two pretty good wide receivers they don't just have Robbie Anderson they got DJ Moore who was a first round pick back in 2018 nobody really talks about but he's a solid wide receiver um, I mean he's ranked 33rd but his overall grade is a 76 he can win so they do have some weapons and some ability to get down the field. And again, it's one of those things where we just see this is a team with a bad record. They should be bad at everything. The Packers should never, it should be 30-0. to zero. This is a team that has the ability to move down the field. And again, they're scoring on average 28 points a game. They're going to score points. They're going to get first downs. Don't just get caught up in this. This is a bad team. This is garbage. They shouldn't be able to do anything. Because if you're a Super Bowl caliber team, you should be, blah, 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 blah. That's nonsense. That's stupidity. This is an NFL football team. Um, so that that's going to be the biggest challenge up front is is kind of slowing this down it's going to be hard to get pressure i mean the packers have not done a good job getting pressure as it is and this is actually a good offensive line we go up against bad offensive lines like the lions and can't get pressures Um, this is not going to be the case this is a decent wide receiver group so you got to be on your p's and q's and whatnot the the biggest issue that the carolina panthers have is that the defense is bad i've heard some people mention chin uh the fear of jeremy chin the Panthers fans are massive fans of Jeremy Chin, and I know because I had them drafting either a safety or a corner or something, I I made some kind of a remark against Chin, I I don't even know what it was, this is one of the things in the comment section, people say things, I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about, I've done 17 videos, it took me 30 seconds to say all that, I don't remember what I said, you got to be specific, but apparently I said something negative about Chin, everybody lost it. They're telling me that he is in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year, which I don't doubt because that's a, a popularity contest that's kind of stupid. Uh, they're telling me that he's leading the league in tackles, that he's leading uh, rookies in like defensive touchdowns. Stats that I don't care about. I mean, defensive touchdowns, are stu- that's a stupid stat. That's one of those things that if you have two, you're going to lead the NFL. Who cares? Telling me you're leading the league in tackles. Um, granted, not everybody's a Packer fan that had to hear that about Blake Martinez forever, so maybe they don't know that that stat is stupidity. Um, And I will say, Jeremy Chin has been off the charts recently. He's kind of following in that Darnell Savage role, in which he was horrible to start the season. He's having some bad games intermittently, but he's really kicked it on since about week six. So week six, he had his first really good game, and then he was horrible. Then against Atlanta, really good game, and then he was horrible. And then he was okay. The last two weeks, very good, very good. So, He is someone to be concerned about. He is somebody that you can look at and say he's ascending. Again, it could be sort of a Darnell Savage thing where, you know, if if I were to say something disparaging because overall his grade isn't that great and it's his second year and he wasn't that good as a rookie, a lot of Packer fans would chirp up and say, you don't know what you're talking about. He's been great this year, which, again, even that would be a fabrication. But just to give the full picture... Yes, he is leading all rookies in tackles. He's also leading all rookies in missed tackles and by a ton. He's also given up four touchdowns, which is more than all the uh, rookies. He has a passer rating when targeted of 108.8, which is, I don't know, like eighth or something. It's not good. Um, he's been targeted 44 times, 32 of which, 72%, 73 almost, percent, um, have been caught for 267 yards. Overall PFF grade because of mostly the beginning of the year. If we look at and I can, I think I can do this. If we look at from week six on, it's going to be a lot higher. But right now, it's a 63. So I'm not going to completely backtrack on saying that people need to cool it on Chin. I will say though, if you want to say you're scared of Chin, I can respect that because he is ascending and because he's been very very good the last two weeks. And for the most part, over the last six, with the exception of a couple really bad games, he's certainly someone to look... Oh, and he went to uh, SIU. That's funny. I've been there several times. Had lots of fun. The Salukis, a huge group of my friends from high school in Illinois went to SIU, so I went to go visit, and that was uh, that was quite a time down there. So anyways, that's the negative side. If we look from week six on, uh, Jeremy Chin goes up quite a bit. He is rated as the 18th best uh, safety in football at a 75.4. Worth noting, Darnell Savage, 77.2. If we go from week eight until now, Jeremy Chin is now the eighth best uh, safety in football. Darnell Savage drops to 15th. If we look at the last four weeks, which is just kind of a good round number, quarter of a football season, Jeremy Chin is the third best safety in football. Darnell Savage is the fourth best safety in football. So I'm, I'm not going to go less than that because it's, you know, we're getting into. Super cherry picking territory, but again, that that's sort of where we're at. Jeremy Chin is actually fairly similar to Darnell Savage. He's going to drop quite, a, and his stats are nowhere near as good, by the way. But he's going to have a bad game here and there. But he's a young guy. He's not as good as Panther fans want to say he is, but he's clearly ascending, and he's getting into the territory of being lethal, and he's becoming more consistent. Right? It it went from bad all the time to one good game, one bad game to now back-to-back good games. Hopefully, he's about to drop a bad game against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, kind of getting up in his head or whatever, hopefully. But, um, again, the the talent is there. Uh, he has one interception and five pass breakups on the season. His one interception came against Chicago, so I don't know that, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. And then his pass breakups came in a bunch of four against Atlanta, Chicago, New Orleans, and Atlanta. The last four weeks, he has given up two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and one pass breakup. Again, the stats are nowhere near Darnell Savage level, but he is ascending. It's something to keep an eye on. But that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is Mr. Brian Burns. Brian Burns last year was decent. I think he was overrated in terms of Packer fans being mad that we didn't get him. And, and listen, I was, first of all, let me just say this. Not only was I also on the Brian Burns train, I was the first to be on the Brian Burns train. You can find me talking about Brian Burns in November before the draft, saying, I don't know why he's not higher. This is my favorite edge rusher in the entire class. I am just not going to stop talking about this guy. So don't talk to me about Brian Burns. Thank you very much. That's my guy. Just so we're clear. Um, with that being said, he did take a massive leap. He went from 65th overall in the NFL in 2019. And the reason he got so much hype is he kind of broke out immediately, right? He had to, like, in preseason, he was getting a billion sacks, and then the first two weeks, he did really well, and then he just kind of faded. And again, it's one of those things where when guys that we like that didn't we, we didn't get do well, Packers Twitter will never shut up about it. When they vanish into the sunlight, nobody cares anymore. Well, Brian Burns is back with a vengeance. He's currently graded as the eighth best pass rusher in football. He has seven sacks, which is, you know, decent. It's not elite level, but he's also getting to the quarterback at about 13%. Um, and there's also a consistency factor here. He does not have a single game with zero pressures, not one. He's got three games in which he only had one pressure, the most recent of which was week 14 against Denver. However, he does also have a game with seven pressures, so I mean he runs the full gamut here. Um, And again, he's always getting pressure. He's going to be after Aaron Rodgers, whether or not he gets him on his back or it's just a, a, a hurry or whatever, I don't know. But He's going to be a bit of a problem, and hopefully it's not too big of a problem. He does line up on Billy Turner's side, who, as I just said, is, as good as he's done at, you know, keeping Aaron Rodgers up to some degree, he is our worst offensive lineman in terms of giving up pressures. And, and the reason that worries me, again, is just this is how things spiral out of control, getting the Packers offense out of their rhythm. When the, when the other team is able to score points and we get off to too slow of a start, Kind of getting off the ground, you know. It's, we're way too cocky. They come out, they score points, and it's like, well, that sucked. But hey, you know, it's all right. We'll respond, and then we don't. Right? Things don't go well. A guy drops a pass, and then Brian Burns gets a sack, and now it's third and long, and we throw a screen pass for four yards, basically just you know cashing it in. And then we punt, and they score again, and it's like this thing just starts spiraling. And then Aaron Rodgers is nervous, and da, da, da. it doesn't take very much. Again, this is not a good defense at all, but they have enough components around the field to at least cause problems, the biggest of which is a pass rush. And you are at to say, yeah, but their corners are terrible, and that's true. But we saw a little bit of a blip in the second quarter last uh, week against the Lions. Terrible, terrible cornerback group. Not only are they one of the worst in the NFL, but they lost Trufant and Okuda and had guys getting hurt. So they had a terrible group, lost two guys within that terrible group, which makes it an even worse group, and then lost a guy in-game. They're they're at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, and there was a stretch in the second quarter where guys couldn't get open. Aaron Rodgers couldn't find anybody. So, that again, that's my only concern is... That spiral, that that death spiral of things are not going well, we're getting up in our own head, we're getting frustrated, guys aren't doing their job, simple things like drops, and then the the defense just allows the Panthers to get up to too much of a lead. Because at the end of the day, this is probably the biggest difference between the Packers and the Chiefs, is that when things aren't going well for the Chiefs, they overcome it. When things aren't going well for the Packers, they do not not saying they've never won things when things aren't great. But when things really start to spiral out of control, they just continue to spiral. We've only seen a few examples, but we know exactly what I'm talking about. Tampa Bay, San Francisco twice, the L.A. Chargers. The Packers haven't lost very many games, but when they do, they lose in spectacular fashion. And those are examples of games that are spiraling out of control, and the Packers just cannot get it under control. And that that really makes up the vast majority of losses. Not all of them. I mean, the Colts game was close but it's it's just such a weird thing with the packers to not just lose but to lose so terribly and um again that's the formula that that ultimately is the formula to beat the packers and and the the panthers don't have much but they have just enough to pull that off you got a guy like chin who's got who's really starting to step up he can make some plays and he's, he's sort of a you know safety slash in the box kind of a guy so so he'll be up helping to stop the run he'll be disrupting passes as a you know hybrid linebacker he's got the ability to get his ball on or his hand on some balls whether it's tip passes, interceptions, whatever. And again, you got Brian Burns coming off the other end. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate here in terms of what it's going to take to win. you got to take Brian Burns out of the equation, and the passing game has to be on point. And really, everything should be on point. You look across the board, these are not good football players. The defensive line and linebackers are just not very good. The safeties are just not very good. The corners are not good, so we should be able to run and throw with relative ease. And as far as the defense is concerned, it's not. Or the offense is concerned, or our defense, whatever. The offense is decent, but it's 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 maybe on par with the Lions or some of the other teams that we've played. It's it's competent. It's competent. But Bridgewater isn't Stafford, right? I mentioned how T- Teddy Bridgewater has not gone two games in a row without throwing a pick. He didn't throw one last week. So if he doesn't throw an interception this week, it's the first time all year he's gone back-to-back games without a pick. Derek Brown, their early first-round pick defensive tackle, has not been good this year. 27 pressures on 373 attempts. I don't need to do the math for you. That is well under 10%. He should be at least at 37 to 38, just to be at 10%. He's at 27 with zero sacks. His run defense grade is a 56, in case we're thinking, well, he's more of a run defender, which isn't true. Derek Brown would win the seventh overall because he can do it all. He couldn't. He can't. He's not. He's had a couple good games, uh, weeks three and four against the run. That's it. They got F.A. Obata, I've never heard of in my life, one of the worst run-defending defensive tackles in football. Uh, Bravion Roy, who was a sixth-round pick, who's just horrifically bad. Linebacker Jermaine Carter is just, I mean, he's he's okay against the run, but he's just not a good linebacker. Shaq Thompson, kind of a big name. He's one of those guys that was good at one point in his career. So some people still, they keep that in the back of their mind. Ooh, Shaq Thompson, he's one of those good ones. First round pick, pretty good in 2015. He was the 18th overall linebacker. In 2016, he was the 8th overall linebacker. Problem is, he's never been that good since. And he's having the worst year of his career right now. Trey Boston was a very good safety for quite a while. He's having a terrible year this year, just completely falling off. Uh, Justin Burris the other safety because they like a lot of teams use three safeties so that's why there's Jeremy Chin as well but Justin Burris uh just he's just not good so you know I understand I don't I don't really understand being scared of Carolina other than being scared of every team um and it 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 does matter right we we not only need to win we need to win the NFC games because that's going to help us with these tiebreakers for getting that number one seed we need to win two of these three games at least um, and the one game that matters the least is Tennessee, because if we lose to Tennessee, we still win tiebreakers because that's an AFC team. We have to win against Carolina and Chicago. If we do that, almost no chance we don't get a first-round bye. The only way we do is if we lose to Tennessee and the Chiefs win out, or the the Chiefs, the uh, the Saints win out, because then they'll have a better record overall, which is why we're all about to be giant Chiefs fans. And really, it's it's going to be in the Chiefs' interest anyway. I mean, even if it's Of course, it's in their interest. Anyways, they're trying to get that number one seed as well. It's a huge game for them. But um, I think they acknowledge that with with Breeze back, this is a serious threat. This is an opportunity to knock them down a peg and um, win a game that they, they maybe wouldn't have had such a good chance of. And this is one of the NFC teams they probably don't want to face in the Super Bowl. Not that they want to face the Packers, but they've got the opportunity to knock down the Saints when, if Breeze was healthy, they probably would have been the number one seed. But they can take them out, and then they got to play more games in the, in the playoffs, better chance that they don't end up making it to the Super Bowl. That's one NFC team they were probably scared of. I think with Breeze, you could argue this is the best NFC team. Not as good of an offense, but they've got, you know, potentially you could argue top five offense and defense, which is always going to be scary. So the, So the Chiefs really want to win this game for every conceivable reason. So any kind of conspiracy theory about, well, they don't want to face the Packers, so they're going to drop this game, zero chance of that. just I, I love a good conspiracy theory. No chance. But, you know, again, the bottom line is this is a bad football team. they are Their spirit is completely crushed. Um, they have two good players on defense. I'll, I'll, I'll concede Jeremy Chin is a good player, but he's very inconsistent. A little bit overhyped. Again, the missed tackles are a huge problem. But this this is a i'll just put it this way it's a game you got to win right i mean this is playoff implications are on the line you're at home you're clearly the better team you're the number one offense in football going up against a subpar defense at best and this is a defense going up against a subpar quarterback some decent but you know we're talking low-end number ones competent high-end number two type wide receivers no christian mccaffrey you know, competent offensive line with the exception of some pretty bad guards. I mean, you just, you got to win this one. There really isn't any excuse. I mean, any given Sunday applies to every single week. But, you know, it's, it's as far as I'm concerned right now, it's playoff time. Because all these games have implications. So the the need to win out, which is what you have to do to win a Super Bowl, let's just say it starts today. That's really all I've got to say about that. Um, Tomorrow... The plan will be I'm going to be recording it today, so I need your recommendations, your questions, your comments, and concerns as quickly as is possible. The plan for tomorrow is to release a podcast with The Big Cat. He is a YouTuber um, for Fan to Fan Network for the Carolina Panthers. He is clearly by far the most popular guy, extremely animated. Um, I'll try to get up a clip of it, but there is a. It's hard to even differentiate, but I found the video is. It was from the week in which the Raiders and Panthers played, and we we had the guy from Spotlight Raiders Talk as well as uh, the Big Cat for Carolina getting into just an absolutely heated argument. It was an all-time greatest moment in FTFN history, which is a short history, but still, it was a great moment. But very cool guy, super passionate, super animated. Check him out on YouTube. He's the Big Cat, K-A-T-T, I think. You can't miss him. He's, he's a giant human being with a, a cat hat a Panther hat on and, like, shoulder pads and a jersey and stuff. But anyways, I'm looking forward to having uh, a chat with him today. My uh, interview with uh, Dosa Dion last week was extremely short because I, I did not plan out how long each question would take. I thought I had enough, and it just it didn't take very long. So I need lots of questions. So if you got them, send them my way. Uh, again, I'm going to try to remember to get a post up as soon as possible, but I got a lot of stuff to do, you know, etc., full-time job and whatnot. So if you don't see a post, just send me a question. Otherwise... I will catch you all next time. Bye-bye.